Hi, my name is Dolly Lana Meckler. And the last thing I prayed for was to have my challah carried at Zabar. Life back in Silver Lake is pretty good. I don't have any any I don't have any complaints. How's Santa Monica? It's beautiful. I just went on a walk. I just went on a well, I went on a very long walk with Arthur and then I rode the Peloton and now I'm talking uh, to you. Oh my god, should I put on my Century Club shirt as well so we can be yeah. matching? Oh, that's so lame that I'm wearing this. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> when you texted me, I was fully naked about to get in the shower. <laughs> oh no, you should have gone in the shower. I feel bad. <laughs> I honestly love any excuse to like delay a shower because I hate showering. Why do we um, hate showering? Like getting in the shower, but that no, taking a shower is great. That, the act of taking a shower is wonderful. It's the acts that come after the shower that are not wonderful because you need to like put product in your hair and then you have to brush it and then you have to find mm-hmm. new clothes to put on. If you have to do something after, you have to re-put on mascara. Like sure. it takes a long time post-shower if you're not ready to get in bed. It takes a long time to get yourself together. Did we ever review the Thrive Cosmetics mascara that Jamie Makeup Greenberg recommended? <laughs> Jamie Makeup Greenberg. <laughs> um, no, we did not, but I'm happy to do so if you have a second. Let's, yeah, I, I've got time. I've booked you out. That's, Let's hear okay, it. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, so I did purchase the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara. It did not show up. It took four weeks until I realized that it did not show up. I finally reached out and I was like, hey, this mascara never made it to me. And they were like, we're so sorry. We'll give you a refund. I got the refund. The mascara did wind up showing up to my mom's house because I was at my mom's house when I Mm -hmm. ordered it. Your mom and dad's house. (laughs) Correct. Your parents are married. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is all true. Um, So whatever, I was like, mom, you can keep that mascara. I'm going to order a new one for myself. I ordered a new one for myself and my mom also shipped me the mascara as like a surprise. I didn't keep it. I shipped it to you, which was very kind. Um, So I did wind up with two Thrive Cosmetics mascaras. And once mine came and I used it, I was very excited to use it. I hated it. I thought it was awful. Oh, God. Uh, It was very clumpy, extremely underwhelmed. I don't know why it comes so highly regarded. I It didn't work for me. It was clumpy. It really, all I could say is that it was clumpy and I won't be using it again. So thanks for fucking nothing, Thrive Cosmetics. Now you have two tubes of mascara that you hate. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I hate wasting product. I can't even imagine. But the thing is like, I do use shitty mascara if I need to just like hop on a Zoom and I don't want to waste the ones that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I probably still will use it in like a situation like that where you can't really see my face, but I need some sort of coating around my mm-hmm. eyes. Sure. To make you pop. Yeah. Anyway, this week, the premiere episode of season three of Pray For Us podcast, we had Dolly Meckler of Holla Dolly. Lana Meckler. The Dolly Lana on our podcast. It was, the, I thought we were going to talk more about like her and her story and like a little about Holla and like, shit like that but mostly it was about her <laughs> career which i thought was re- really interesting because we don't talk about that stuff that often yeah i loved our chat with her i will say like i went on a deep stalk of her on instagram 
I didn't realize her hair was so fucking long. Like when we talked to her, when we talked to her, we could only see like, you know, breast up. Her hair goes down to like her tootsies. Oh, it does? I didn't realize that it's either. fucking long. I mean, Dolly, like shouts to you for getting that mane down to your toes. I don't know how you do it, but it's beautiful. It ain't easy. This episode of Pray For Us is actually sponsored by... Paula Dolly. Paula Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a fucking delicious challah, um, you can go to challadolly.com. Check it out. She has lots of flavors. Enter Pray For Us at checkout for a little surprise discount. She ships across country if your country is the United States. So make <laughs> sure you order by, I think, Tuesday in order to get it by Friday. Wait, no, what is it? All orders are shipped on Tuesday, and you must place it by Sunday at 8 to get it by Shabbos. So don't fuck this one up, you guys. So place your challah orders at challadolly.com. Enter code Pray for us for a surprise discount. All right, without further ado, here's Dolly Meckler. Enjoy. Hi there, we're JC and Jess, and this is Pray For Us, a podcast about practicing an ancient religion in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe Judaism and other religions when it comes to holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Dolly Meckler. Dolly is the host of the podcast, You Have Such a Pretty Face, and the baker and entrepreneur behind Holla Dolly. Welcome to the podcast, Dolly. Hi, you guys. Oh, my God. This is a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. It's Shabbos. Um, How are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is hilarious. And I really, um, I can identify with you, Jess, because you said to me before we started recording that like you felt like an outcast of Judaism your whole life. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt that way too. We'll get into that, I'm sure. But like, this is a very cool, different experience for me. So I'm very happy to be here. We're We're a great start. So excited (laughs) to have you. Just because this, I just must know, I love your name so much. What is the inspiration behind Dolly? And I assume that's your full and real name. Legal. Yeah. Okay. So it is my full legal real name. And I'm going to tell you my middle name and you're going to die laughing. So my middle name is Lana. My name is Dolly Lana. <laughs> so, so I know, it's a really, it's a real crowd Um, my parents were just like, Dolly is a really cute girl's mm-hmm. name. And then they were like, okay, Dolly Lana. That's hilarious. We got to call her. Dolly. That's so cute. Do people call you the Dolly Lana? They, so, I mean, like, my close friends have in the past. I think, yeah. Yeah, they have in the past. No, I don't go by the Dolly <laughs> Lana, <but> I would... <laughs> yeah, like, I could be, like, the Dolly Lana, like, how Cher is Cher one day. Like, maybe I could just be the Dolly Lana. I almost I said you could you. just be Dolly, but I think there's another Dolly, Dolly. unfortunately. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Dolly Parton, bless her soul. So, where are you from and where are you right now? Yeah, okay. So, I was born in Manhattan, in New York City, I lived here until I was about 10 years old, and then we moved to Connecticut. That is why when I said to you, I felt like an outcast, I was like the diversity in Connecticut. It was a bunch of white wasps. It was, there was not one other Jewish person. There's this little town, it's New Canaan, Connecticut, which um, I don't know if you've ever heard of yes. it. It's just super waspy. 
Stepford Wives, the remake with Nicole Kidman was filmed there. Um, <laughs> very telling. Uh, <laughs> very telling, exactly. Very on brand. But there's like this one section of town called God's Acre, and it has like 13 different churches. And wow. there was there's not a synagogue in New Canaan. Wow. So I would have to go to this neighbor neighboring neighborhood called Stamford, Connecticut, um, which is where I went to Hebrew school. I had my bat mitzvah, which I mentioned to you was 16 years ago today. Today Mazel is the anniversary Mazel. of my bat mitzvah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, that is, I definitely felt like I always like had my New York City roots and like the chutzpah mm-hmm. of like a New Yorker. What made your parents, if you know, choose New Canaan over like a Greenwich or a Stanford or, you know, the other Jewier towns? Sure. So we lived in a very architecturally significant house. Um, my parents are both artists and they fell in love with my house. It's a, it's a modern house and um, it was built by um, an architect who worked with Frank Lloyd Wright. So it's very cool. cool. And so I grew up in that house and that too really made me another outcast because that everybody was like in these McMansions, colonial style, white picket fenced houses. And like, I was the Jewish girl in this modern house. My parents always joked that we lived in the, Jewish district of New Haven, <laughs> just our house. <laughs> Were your parents super religious or was it more of like a cultural thing? Definitely not religious at all. I think my parents are, are both very progressive and like very liberal. And we religion was just not a big part of our lives other than just culturally Jewish. Mm-hmm. I went to summer camp my whole life growing up. Jewish summer camp, had a bat mitzvah. Holidays were the only time like Judaism was kind of relevant in our lives, I guess. Like we go to synagogue for high holy days, but not, we didn't even do like Shabbat, Mm -hmm. none of that. No kosher, no, and none of that. Very not religious. This seems very similar to like my situation. My town was like probably 30% Jewish, but like, for the most part, it was like very Italian. And yeah, same here. Summer camp, definitely. High holidays, definitely. Everything else, mm-hmm. that chance. What camp did you go to? Yeah, you, you got to ask. <laughs> um, I went to Camp Tamaqua in Canada. Okay. Um, yes. International summer camp. No, it was... The reason I went was because my dad is from Detroit. And every a lot of the people who went to camp a lot of the campers are from Michigan mm. and my cousins went who are from Detroit so it was just like our family camp it's like three hours north of Toronto so I have a lot of Canadian friends and friends from Michigan everyone went to University of Michigan of course. It was, you know mm-hmm. that whole scene yeah did you go to college and if so where did you go okay so great question and this always is just like funny in retrospect I guess so right I had this very like Christian surrounding in my upbringing. And then when I went to college, I went to Indiana and I went to Indiana university because I did not get into Michigan. And I was so upset because I wanted to go with all my friends and I was waitlisted at Michigan, their loss in the end. But at Indiana, I was in a five 
And when I got my bid, I was so upset because I was like never around Jews Mm -hmm. up until that point. Right. And I was like, what? The Jewish sorority? Like, I don't want to be in the Jewish sorority. Like that is, that's, that's so lame. Like I thought that was lame. And especially at like Indiana, like I was like, I want to meet like people from Indiana. Like I'm totally so happy that that's the way it ended Mm -hmm. up that I was an A5. And the other funny part is that I was the president of AFI. Oh my God. So <laughs> I really like leaned in. You sure did. <laughs> I don't know one Jewish girl who got into a Jewish sorority and was stoked about it at first. Like everyone is just like so bummed out about it. Erica Bernstein, actually. <laughs> <laughs> While we're here. <laughs> and all of us. <laughs> That's Tracy's best friend them. for anyone who doesn't know. I remember there was like a group of girls in my pledge class being like, this is like the sorority for the cool Jewish girls. Like, I'm so excited. Like, oh my God, all our friends are in. It. And I like looked at them like they were like, had heads. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Why do you want to be like in the Jewish sorority? Like, we're going to have this like Jewish stamp on mm-hmm. us, which I was very, I did not want. But now I'm like, you know, I think I'm more, I'm proud to be Jewish in a much more like evolved way than I was when I was 18. I feel like joining a sorority as a Jewish person can help like motivate your Jewishness in one of two ways. It's like if you join a Jewish sorority, you could lean all in, like embrace your Judaism, surround yourself with Jewish people. Or like me, like I joined a very not Jewish sorority, but I liked being like the token Jappy girl. And like everyone thought it was cool that I was Jewish. So either way, I think you do like find yourself within Judaism, depending on like what sorority you join, as stupid as that sounds. That makes sense. I was not in a sorority, but... You could find me at the Oive Cafe at Hillel any day of the week eating lunch. I really like that a real thing. (laughs) That is a real thing in Tucson, Arizona. I did not do the sorority thing. It wasn't really for me, but I do think I found, and I wasn't like super involved in Hillel or anything, but I liked knowing that there was like a place where I could go and one, eat really good Israeli food, but also like on high holidays, like I knew I was always covered if I ever like needed something, God forbid, like I'm like, well, I could always go to Hillel. Like, I don't know. Or there's like so many resources. And that was nice. And I did have a good amount of Jewish friends at U of A, funny enough. But I think only one who was in the Jewish sorority. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Are we all the same age? I think I'm 28. So. I don't yeah, 28. Me too, me yeah. too. <laughs> Why is it that like all those big schools in the Midwest, like Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana even I guess Ohio State, are so Jewish. Like, why do Jewish people gravitate toward those schools? Does anyone know? I don't know. The Big Tens, maybe it's like a camp vibe. I think it is. that's what it's like. I think Jews just like rah-rah schools. And we like fun. We like community. It's funny because we're like the least athletic group of individuals. But we are like (laughs) down for a tailgate. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I don't know. It's I didn't even realize, which is so like, hello, Dolly. How did you not know that like Indiana had like a very Jappy um, community? I I had no idea. Like I literally went there to be like, I'm going to like leave the East Coast. I'm going to meet new people. It's not going to be Michigan. It'll be good for me because I'm going to meet new people. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the same. It's 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 exactly what you'd expect from a Big Ten like Right. Jewish population. But I exactly. think anywhere you go, you gravitate towards your people. Because, like, if you Absolutely. look at the population of Jewish people that go to IU, it's only, like, 
6% or something like that. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, like we think it's so Jewish because we met all the Jews. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, exactly. That's a good it's point. It's true, it's true. Did you go on birthright while you were in college? Yes, I went on birthright, I guess it must have been my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually my second time to Israel. I'd been to Israel once before with my family. I got to go on birthright. I went with like, I think it was like through Hillel at Indiana. Um, but it was with, I went with a bunch of friends. It was so fun. We extended, we stayed in Tel Aviv for an extra week. I mean, everyone needs to go to Israel. Everyone, not just Jews. Do you have any crazy stories from your time? No, nothing like nothing. I mean, the the clubs in Tel Aviv are so fun. The club, the club, yeah. <laughs> but no, I thought that was an important contribution. <laughs> that was. I, was I know. Like, what's like that one? What was the one that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, by the water, pineapple. I I went to Israel only with my family, so I did not club in Tel Aviv. Oh. I like went to the. Okay, beach. you have to go. I know. Well, it's, I don't know. I don't know about traveling. Me either. Unfortunately, like, so I don't know if that will, if you will even get to do that. I feel like by the time I'm able to travel again, like since I've already been to Israel, it's not going to be first on my list to return to. And by the time I return to Israel, I'm probably going to be like way too old to hit the clubs. So Mm. basically got fucked out of that experience. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys feel like, do either of you have strong opinions on Israel? Because I feel like it keeps coming up and the older I get, the more I'm like, I should know more about the politics of Israel. And I really don't. How do both of you feel about that? Okay, this is now turning into like a controversial (laughs) podcast. (laughs) We don't have to get too deep. I just honestly, this is for my own like self-assurance. Because I like, I really know so little about Israeli politics, but I feel like I should know more. Do you, do you at least feel like an obligation to know more? I feel that way. I wish I knew more too. Yeah. I really wish I knew more. Um, I definitely have an opinion about it. Yeah. Well. I feel like um, I want there to be a place where Jews always are going to be welcome. Right. Um, I know it's a very controversial strip of land, um, but that's for another podcast, yeah. <laughs> but the idea of there being like a safe haven for Jews, a, a, a group of people who have been persecuted throughout history, mm-hmm. I'm a big supporter of. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that was really well stated and yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think beyond that, again, like you said, Jess, I don't know enough and I do, I do a fair amount of research, but it's hard to come to any hard conclusions when there's so much every day. Yeah. Like, I, I don't love the fact that if you're Jewish, you're automatically assumed to be pro-Israel. I think that's unfair, and I don't hold it against any Jew that might not agree with Israeli politics. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yes, I love that I could always go there for now and be accepted. And I think it's super important for us to have a safe haven. Again, that being said, I don't equate anti-Semitism with anti-Israel and yeah. vice versa. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the fun stuff. Wait, so Dolly, what did you study okay. in school? I was in the telecommunications program. So I studied like television and media. Cool. Um, and I also studied, I had I had two degrees. That was one degree. And my other degree was in gender studies. So oh. I have a degree in like queer theory, feminist theory. So at the time, gender studies was like not a hot topic the way that it is now this is you're progressive (laughs) when did we yeah yeah Yeah, so progressive and 
into, I had taken a gender class with one of my professor, with a professor, and she like changed my life. She talked about women in this very different way. She talked about like, she, she just opened my eyes and I just saw the world so differently after like talking with her. Like I, she, I remember in class, she was like, I carried my son in my body for nine months. He has my last. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> whoa you just blew my mind like just that sentence like just opened my whole life so after that I just started to like just gravitate towards gen- gender classes and by no means did I go into school being like I'm studying gender and by no means did I even think that I was pursuing a gender degree I just was so interested in it that I graduated with a degree in gender. That's so great. I mean, I feel like so many people obviously go into college, they think they know what they want to do and they just do it because they're told to do that or that's what they go in thinking they want to do and they don't acquire any other like additional knowledge or skills. So that's fucking awesome that you did that. You did that. Yeah, I commend you. Thank you. Do you feel like your degree has like you been influential in terms of your adult life and your career. I know you host a podcast called You Have Such a Pretty Face and you talk a lot about, I mean, I think it's mostly like for women and it's about body image. Is that correct? Yes. And absolutely. So that's why I think it is so interesting, right? It's like I pursued just this, just this subject that I was very interested in and I've now seen it weave into and pop into my life a lot. And I think that that's just like, a reminder to people of like, always just do what you love. I know that can sometimes feel like it can, it is a luxury or a privilege, but I do believe like when you do things that you love, you find ways to bring them into your life. I don't mean that you have to like go necessarily make money off those things, but like they're going to be relevant to your life. And it's always good to have joyful and fulfilling interests and hobbies surrounding you. I think that with the gender degree, definitely like I have a lot of friends who identify as queer and I always felt very like I always wanted to make it feel like a very open space with me and I think that I can definitely attribute a lot of like my empathy towards my the studying that I did in school about gender also with you have such a pretty face my background in gender studies has influenced like a lot of my thoughts and reasons why I created that podcast Mm -hmm. I actually invited my gender studies teacher who like changed my life onto the podcast. And it's an incredible episode because she's so smart. What's her name? Shen Maher. And she's amazing. Maher is such a good last name for a gender studies professor because isn't like a big Maher is like (laughs) a, it's a Yiddish word, right? That means like someone who's like influential (laughs) and like has, I don't know how you spell it and has, let me look up the exact. Definition. This is like mind blowing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I always say I don't know any Yiddish, but I really don't know any Yiddish. Wow. Wait, let's see. Yeah, we've got a little rabbi. She will, yeah, she will like say throw out things, and I'll be like, "What?" <laughs> like, she. We've had rabbis, actual rabbis, on the show, and just can like keep up with them. And I'm sitting here like wow. I don't even know. What's I don't know going about on. that. <laughs> I mean, you. I do know about that. Um, okay, according to Urban Dictionary, a very reliable well, source. <laughs> A big mocker is a big shot and it's usually a man. So I think it's kind of empowering that like a woman has that last name. Oh, that's so fabulous. Yeah. yeah you're right. Cool. You're right. You're right. So after, after college, you came to LA for a bit or were you in New York and then came to LA? What was like the goal, the plan? 
Okay. So this was the plan. I graduated without a job and I'm sure I, it sounds like, yeah, you guys were in media. Like oh, you yeah. can relate yeah. to this. All of like my friends who were like business majors, right? Like they all have these like jobs with these consulting companies like locked since like a year before. Right. And I was like, what, why won't anyone hire me? Like I want a job, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't work that way in our field of work. So I graduated without a job and I, okay, I have to mention this before even graduation. So when I was applying for internships, like in during the summers of college, I always wanted to work in TV and I applied to this internship at Comedy Central <laughs> and I did not get it. It's okay. And I've interviewed I've for five interview. different jobs at Comedy Central over the past six years, which I'm far, I'm far above <laughs> and beyond now, but I, ha- I didn't get any of them. So same how many jobs have I applied to with Comedy Central that I did not get and I'm like okay what are you looking for but whatever I was applying for internships and like I had interviews like as an intern and this is again back in 2008 and like who's interviewing for internships like that (laughs) and I thought for sure I was getting it and I did not get it and I said to them like why didn't I get it and they told me, you don't have enough TV. Same. That's exactly what? what happened. Like, how am I supposed to get experience if I can't get a fucking internship? Exactly. I'm like, I'm 19. I'm, I'm 19 years old. Where am I getting intern experience? Where am I getting TV experience, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a TV show. I don't know how else I'm supposed to do this. So I go to the IU Student TV Network, and I'm like, you know what? And I have to mention too, like, I think like still my dream is like, I want to be a talk show host. And (laughs) I think that that has evolved over the years with like digital media, but like, I love interviewing and I love speaking with people. And I just like love asking questions and learning about people. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own TV show and I'm going to have a talk show. So I went to the IU student TV network and I said to them, I want to have a TV show and it's going to be called Hello Dolly. And it's going to be this comedic talk show. I am going to interview people on the street, like on campus, and it's going to be great. They're like, great, create an outline, bring it in. Okay, I pitched it. They're like, we love it. But the show was me on campus with my little microphone, and I still have it with the little bug that said, hello, Dolly, (laughs) on it. And it was like Billy, it was like Billy on the street, but before Billy on the street, they were putting, they were playing this in the dorms at Indiana. And I was like, who is watching dorm TV? I'm like, this needs to be on the internet. So I'm like, oh, I'll put it on YouTube. Like, I, that, duh, right? So I put it on YouTube and I'm like, wait, how many other people to watch this thing? I'm going to open up a Facebook page. I open up a Facebook page and this is, we were all on Facebook right, at yeah. this point, right? I am like, follow, how, uh, like, uh, comment, subscribe. Hello Dolly on, exactly, on Facebook. And then I'm, then Instagram comes out, right? And I'm like, you guys download this thing. It's called Instagram. Get it. Follow Hello Dolly. And that was like how I started to first learn how to use social media. I would literally chalk on the streets at Indiana, like at Hello Dolly (laughs) and have people follow it that way. That's so smart. I have like, I tried, I, there's a bar at Syracuse that's no longer there called Chuck's that had like this big graffiti table. I would write my handle all over I have a picture of it, but the bar is no more. So I guess that's why I have no followers. <laughs> that's the only reason. That's <laughs> I'm t- girl in marketing will work. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I did that and I learned how to like drive audiences 
to content using social, just like in a very native, very like early, early stages way. And it was a thing on campus people would recognize. And Indiana was like a big school. Anyway, so then I graduated and I was like, I'm going to be in TV. Like I have this thing now in my, you know, docket. And um, I ended up getting a job at a TV production company where I was working in like casting for Unscripted. Wait, which one? Like, it was called Magilla. And I Texas. fucking worked at Magilla. No. Yes. <laughs> you guys didn't work no. together though? That seems crazy No, I was. When I graduated, right when I graduated. Same. I was there from work together. I was there from (laughs) like I was there for probably like eight months. I worked for like what's her name? Courtney something in casting. You did too? (laughs) Me too. Me too in casting. (laughs) What? That was my job. You know casting for a pregnancy show. I wonder if I was there after you or before you. It was Courtney. I worked for and Alicia. Alicia something. Yes, yes. She's my fucking neighbor, Alicia. (laughs) Is she okay? Okay. I don't know now. Wait, how did you not know each other? That is not possible. But I was there from like October or maybe September. Like I took some time between college, like maybe a few months. We we missed each other because I was. I wonder if I replaced you. You may have replaced. Wow, that's chaotic. (laughs) I fucking love extremely chaotic. That's but yeah, the most Jewish conversation we've ever had on this podcast. (laughs) So funny. So did you wind up like quitting because you couldn't take it anymore and moving to LA? Because same. I was like, I don't want to work in casting. And like, this is, I don't want to be an unscripted. Like, this is not for me. I don't, and I also, I think I was contracted only for like two months, three months or something. Very short. It was a short contract. And then I found a job at an advertising agency where I was an executive assistant. Tiny little ad agency. I was executive assistant to the CEO. I was like appalled by this job. Mm. Like I would have to put his lunch on a plate. <laughs> And bring it to him in meetings. Been there. Six months had gone by and I was like, I have a college degree and I'm plating someone's mm-hmm. food. And like, he like gets upset about the way that I do this. Like, this is, this is not, I'm not doing this. Like, no. One time he told me, he was like, no wonder you want to work in entertainment. You're so dramatic. Oh my God. I was like, no, you're Jewish. That's why you're so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I started crying. I, I was so too. offended by it. And then, and then, and then, and then I found out that he was looking for my replacement before he knew I was leaving. And I got so upset by it. And I was just like, I'm out of here. And he was like, yeah, you should not be an assistant is what he told me. <laughs> wow. That's so fucking rude. But... Then I did UCB. <laughs> oh, I did UCB too. For I also worse. did UCB. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we have it. I know. Before. Well, I did UCB in LA. And then I got a job at WME in the mail. Oh, God. Yeah. Another. I mean, we both did UTA. Like, so. Yeah. There you so you know. know. Right. But. I think that there should be a podcast about mailrooms and Jewish kids in mailrooms. We can that can be a Posted segment a within this podcast. We can totally do that. Don't you think? Like, I just like working at WME was so much fun because when are you ever going to be around like other peers your age, like young Jewish kids trying to make it in Hollywood? Like, it was camp again. It was like another mm-hmm. camp, and we got it to was finish really the day so early. We would get in at like 7 a.m. Oh, like do that. Well, yeah, because you're on New York hours. Well, there were shifts. Um, well, yeah, but remember we would get in at like 7 and like leave by 3.30 and like go to happy hour? 
Right. Or you would come in at like 10 and then you'd stay till like 730. Yeah. Right, right, right. Wow. But being in the mailroom was like a cakewalk compared to being an actual assistant because you could like kind of fuck around. You didn't really have a boss. You weren't tied down to a desk. And it was very social. It's like you're doing basically like networking. I'm still really close friends with a lot of people who I was in the mailroom with, even though. Same here. Yeah, it was like not. Totally. Are any of those people still at WME, Dolly? Yes, one. Mm. Are they okay? That that always happens. I know. Are they okay? I mean, they're still like a, they're like still an assistant. It's (gasps) like, you know, one of those situations. Okay. So when I was like in college, I was networking and I found this guy. I'm going to make a long story short. He worked in social at Bravo. I had wanted work at social in social at Bravo because I'm a housewives. Yes, fan. Stand. And yes, I like found him on LinkedIn. We connected. He went to Wisconsin, another like big 10 Jewish, you know, that whole scene. He then left Bravo over the years and he went to HBO where he was doing social at HBO. Like my second day at WME, he called me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just started. I'm in the mailroom at WME. He's like, bummer. This conversation might not be applicable. I'm like, no, no, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, they're finally letting me hire somebody on my team. You're the first person I thought of. I want you to come work for me. Come to HBO. Come do social for Game of Thrones. And I was like, okay, sure. So I left WME after about three months. And I went to HBO where I was doing social and digital for Game of Thrones and Westworld. Um, and then some other shows in between, but there again, I was using social and I found myself in this like different world of entertainment that I was expecting to kind of fall into. I was there for about four years. Oh, wow. YouTube. Uh, I was overseeing their social. I left after six months and I was like, now what? I don't have a plan. I'm moving to LA. And I show up in West Hollywood and my, my plan was I was going to freelance and I was going to find some clients out in LA. I was going to make some content while I was there. Like I was really going to get in touch with, you know, my content. Mm -hmm. And I got very few clients while I was in LA because LA is a very, what I found a very difficult place to follow through. Absolutely. Yep. It's the worst place on earth. I hate Los Angeles. (laughs) I like LA, but I mean, there's a lot of really shitty people who don't care about your time. Yeah. I was like, I, how are you supposed to get anything done here? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So it, I was like, this is a disaster. So then in March, coronavirus hit. And I was like, well, now I'm definitely not going to find yeah. out because no one can hire freelancers. Like I'm running out of time. Like I need to make money. Like I need to figure this out. So I was like, all right, two weeks. Remember, we're like, oh, right. COVID will last for two weeks. <laughs> and then we'll be out of here. We were so naive. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I'll take two weeks off. Let me bake. Everyone's baking sourdough. Like, I'm going to try to bake. So, but I was like, I don't I don't have the patience for sourdough. Like, I am going to do challah. Are you a big chef, baker in general? No. No, no, no. Like, notoriously terrible in <laughs> What? So, like, where did your recipe come from? So, the first recipe I used was the I, Google best challah recipe, New York Times. But the problem was there was no yeast anywhere. Right. You know, like, you could, yeah. Ooh. The great yeast that. shortage. <laughs> right. Yeast. Gave. Shortly after the toilet so, paper shortage. Uh, yeah. Flour was also really hard to come mm-hmm. by. 
Okay. So what happened was I started to like document myself looking for yeast. I was like, this is insane. So I started to document it walking around in WeHo. The other thing is I did not have a car in LA. Oh, so I was God. Like walking everywhere. Oh, no. Yes. I wish I could have helped <laughs> you. It was, I hate driving. No, I would have given you my so car. but it was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Well, it was funny because I'd always like be like, hey, guys, like here I am again walking around LA. <laughs> like it was, I was like the crazy girl walking around LA. I would walk around and be like, okay, you know, Whole Foods doesn't have it. And then I'd walk down to Pavilions. Pavilions doesn't have it. Then I'd go to Gelson's. Gelson's doesn't have it. And then someone like replied to my story being like, there's a bodega on Santa Monica go in and like quiet, get the, I'm like, okay. I was just going to say the Russian market on Santa Monica. That's where I went. It was a little Russian bodega that I walked into and I like, was like, hi, do you have yeast? And they're like, yeah, right over there. I'm like, I took it all. (laughs) I was like, okay, I I need it all. Literally never in my life have I ever baked a challah. Okay. I baked a challah. I was like, so impressed. I couldn't believe that I had done this thing. I'm like never in the kitchen and it was beautiful. I posted it online being like, would, would you guys buy it? Like, would anyone want this? Would people buy this? Because people are responding being like, I want one. Like, will you make me one? And I'm like, absolutely. Like I'm in business. I have mm-hmm. nothing else to be doing. Yes. That's where it all started. And I had people who were interested. I'd buy them. They'd come to my apartment in WeHo. I'd give them the, their holla, like, socially distanced i'd like put it on the ground and then they'd get it we weren't wearing masks at this oh right point. so that's how it started and then i had a friend from camp who lived in la who made a logo for me You're like, i was gonna so say cute. i want to hear about the logo and the packaging the logo is excellent the l's are both hollas for because people can't see this yes. so it's super cute yeah. it's red you're gonna love <laughs> it <laughs> yeah and um what I knew how to do was how to market stuff on social mm-hmm. media. So I was like, I'm going to brand this bread. And I started making content of like myself baking. And I think people were so like, like, it was so funny. Like Dolly, what is this weird pivot that you're doing into like food? Like they wanted to watch. Then months had gone by and like the hollow was like a thing. And I didn't think it would take off in the way that it kind of has. But I was like, I, you know what? I'm moving back. Home. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? sitting in this apartment in West Hollywood. I can't even see LA. And I put it on Instagram, on my personal Instagram, being like, it's happening. Like, I'm going to do Hala in New York. You guys have been asking for it. Like, we're doing it. And I started to have like wait lists of people just because I have a much bigger network in New York than I do in LA. And people were telling other people, everyone wanted a Hala. And then I got written up about in time out New York. Casual. Which was like, yes, so cash, but that was like, uh oh, like what's happening? Yeah. Like, this is really going to be a thing. And then I was also like, I can't keep baking like in my house. Like, this is, I can't like run a bake sale from my house. Right. Yeah. Like, this is like a business. So I got in touch with this bakery. They're on the Lower East Side. And I was like, hey, like, want to have a pop up? Like, I could do like one big event and like all these people could come. We could use your ovens. She's like, totally come. And like, this is what I found like now being in this like food world is. These people in food, especially in New York, I'm sure in LA too, like there's such a community around like restaurant Mm -hmm. owners, bakery owners, people who are working in food because they have been hit so hard by coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I went and we had a huge pop up and like we sold out, we sold way more than I was expecting to sell. And then I was like, I want to do wholesale. Like I want to be accessible everywhere to everybody. 
So now I'm in stores around New York. Wow. My first place with Shelsky is this deli in Brooklyn and they carry my hala. And then I started to sell it at this gross, like this market on the Upper East Side that has like crazy foot traffic. And then the specialty grocer in Brooklyn and they're called Green Grape. Uptown is called Butterfield. And then most recently... I'm now in Murray's Cheese. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. <laughs> Even I know that. Yeah. An Arizona girl. That's amazing. Mazel. Yes, as of today. Wow. Thank you. Three weeks ago, I started, I launched a website so people could order them and, and have them shipped out because people kept asking me like, when can I try it? I'm, you know, I'm in Michigan. Like, I want to try it. So I was like, all right, I'll try. Like, why not? So the way it works now is I work with the bakery and all the, all the halas are produced at the okay. bakery, which is great because now, I, you know, it's totally legal. The health licenses, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's not kosher. <laughs> Morally kosher. kosher, but not kosher. Morally kosher. Kosher enough for us. <laughs> exactly. And it's like a real business and that's it. It's so fun. And now that's what I do. I still, I freelance. Mm -hmm. So I still do social. I, I have a few clients and I'm running a bread business, like a very digitally native bread business. That's very millennial of you. This is like a 2020, a fairy tale in a way. The There are very few. I get very excited about food and I have to ask, Same. like, I know I've, I've looked at your products, but like you have so many different types of challah. Like, are you planning on coming out with like new flavors like what are you featuring right now like i have three flavors okay. so i have a plain i have a honey cinnamon sugar and i have an everything flavor. i want yeah i need all of them <laughs> it was so funny my roommate who i was living with in la she actually was the one who came up with the flavors because she like had these spices she's like dolly like put this on i bet it'll be so good and thus here we are like that was shoes. I call her my recipe <laughs> doll. So I have three. And then I do like partnerships or collaborations, right? So like what I partnered with matcha bar. Cool. So we did a matcha flavored challah for one cup. Cool. Yeah. And I'm trying to get more like partnership collaborations just for fun. Like it's mm -hmm. just fun. I'm dying to do a pop-up in LA, like to return Please. to the roots of challah dolly. I yeah. don't want to bring up a sore subject, but I'm going to. I feel like I heard about your halas right when co like COVID started, which seems to be when you actually started. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have been copying you around LA. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I've got to say, like, I follow a lot of people who have posted other halas that maybe have similar branding or like look similar mm -hmm. to what you're putting out. And I just wanted to know like how you feel about that. Hala has been around for centuries. Duh, right? I did not invent hala. I do not own hala. What I believe is, you know, uh, unique to me is the way is my is my style mm -hmm. of branding. Of course, there's going to be copycats that come up along the way when you do something that works and that is successful. Like, it's going to just naturally happen. But, like, I get very sad for people who have to do that because it's like, Nothing is going to be successful unless it's original. It's from your heart and it's from your mind. Mm -hmm. And all I have to say to the people who are like kind of pulling from stuff that I've done, which I fully agree, like I'm, I am flattered that, that you like it and that you feel like you want to uh, imitate it. But 
all I have to say is I have a lot more ideas and the creativity Mm -hmm. is flowing. And when you pick up my ideas, I'm going to continue to evolve and change and you can't keep up. Your creativity is infinite. The creativity is infinite. That's exactly right. You don't own Hala, obviously, but this part of you feel like you do. (laughs) I feel the same way with like Jewish podcasts. If we see other Jewish podcasts, we're like, obviously we don't own Judaism, but part of me is like, "Mm, we did it before the other girls who just started that. You know what I mean? It's like, no, totally. I hear you. I feel like, yeah, like out of all the like COVID Hala companies, I'm like, when, what? You started in October? Like, girl, I started this week one of coronavirus and I have been hitting the ground running since then. And like, yeah, this has been my thing. (laughs) I wanted to ask you before we go, what do your parents or your grandparents, if they're still with us, what do they think of you starting a hollow business? Cause I feel like that's the dream for any like Bubby or Jewish mother. They must be so proud. Is that true? That's a really great question. I don't have any grandparents anymore, unfortunately. My parents, my mom is an entrepreneur. She has a small business also for 20 years, but she's, I think they're very proud that like, you know, I really turned Hala into lemonade. <laughs> like that's really what I, I kind of, I kind of feel like I did that. It was a very desperate situation where I needed to find work. And like, I just really tried to make it happen. And they're, yeah, they're very proud of me. I think they're, they're so confused. We always joke, like my brother is learning Yiddish right <laughs> now. It. And I say it to my parents. I'm like, are you dying that like you have a son that speaks Yiddish and like a daughter who has a hala company? Like, were you expecting <laughs> this? And it's just like, so what happened? <laughs> so it's really fun. I feel like that's very Jewish of you to just like bootstrap it and kind of figure out a way to make things work for yourself. And I think that Jews are very entrepreneurial and obviously hala is like, the official bread of our religion and culture. So it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so so great. Thank you so much for doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Dolly. You can follow her on Instagram at Dolly Meckler and at Holla Dolly. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on Apple podcasts or listen for free on Spotify. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And thank you. If you want to support our show financially, please go to anchor.fm slash pray for us slash support. We are so grateful and appreciative and we'll love you forever. Follow us on Insta at pray for us pod. Tell your mom and your friends about us so that they listen. If you feel like it, send us a note at pray for us pod at gmail.com. Shabbat Shalom. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. We love you, Josh.